Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. So what were your impressions of Joshua Trees when we were in the park, like when we first saw them? I didn't know what I was looking for. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't, like prior to going there, I hadn't gone like, well, what are Joshua Trees? And are they named after something? You know, like is this park named after a specific tree? So I didn't know. Or a U2 album. Yeah, or a U2 album, (laughs) which I'd heard of the U2 album, Right. right? But I had heard so many people they're like oh yeah it's so great to be there with the joshua trees and so i was looking forward to seeing them though i had no idea what they looked like right i think kind of similarly like i knew just from some you know google searches and i guess the u2 album cover um what a joshua tree looked like but i wasn't really sure like what to really expect size wise how many there were like where we were going to actually really see them and like what that kind of was like but I even think that it took us a while before we actually even saw Joshua Tree in the park. Like, we drove, like, we had to drive in quite we some time. We had to drive in quite a ways. Yeah. Right. I guess it took, like, a day or so being in Joshua Tree for me to sort of get that this was a place that was an escape, that right. it was people came here for the feeling, people mm-hmm. came here for the uh, natural environment. Mm-hmm. Um dare I say ambiance? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't I necessarily so. want to say ambiance about... <laughs> but I see what you're saying. ...land that was yeah. people's home for thousands of yeah. years. But there's definitely a very sort of... Energy. ...specific energy... There we go. ...to this space. Yeah. And um, I think... Uh, I think Instagram has sort of, like, given it a certain kind of connotation. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is obviously something much deeper than uh, anything social media could ever uh, provide uh, to our understanding of it Mm -hmm. that you get when you really go and you are there. And you experience it. And you experience it. So I felt like in our brief period of time, after understanding some of the reasons why people go to Joshua Tree, I felt like I finally got that experience later in the second day Mm. yeah that makes sense i mean our first day was sort of like a hit and run in a lot of ways because we were really there in the later afternoon and we it was kind of like a driving tour with a little bit of some exploration um but on that driving tour that's when i feel like we saw those joshua trees for the first time and we really kind of got like to see a, a larger grouping of them as we drove deeper into the park uh and and your friend Fu pointed them out. Right. That's them. I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And then I connected it later to yeah. uh, the Lorax and right. the truffle trees yeah. that they talk about and how, I mean, I do think that it's fairly common connection to say that Dr. Seuss modeled them after Joshua Trees because, I mean, there's a lot of metaphor there mm-hmm. in the Lorax. Mm-hmm. But later at reading the Lorax, it was like, oh, they do kind of look like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not that people are like 
chopping them down to turn them into hats. Right. But, you know, they're putting graffiti on them or running them over instead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is happening. It is. Things we talked a lot about in our trail mix, the Joshua Tree problem. Exactly. About when the government shut down from 2019 to 2020? 2018 to 2019. Yeah. Because that was like two slash 19 years ago. Yep. Yeah. It's true. That's how it feels right now. Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes, and open your heart when you gain at the National Park At the National Park At the National Park Follow you, I'll follow you We would like to acknowledge that while hiking in Joshua Tree National Park that we are on the traditional and stoneland lands of the Mojave, Serrano, Chimueve, and Cuya people. To start this episode, we wanted to give some background on the trees for which Joshua Tree National Park was named. Well, we thought about a separate trail mix episode just about Joshua Trees, similar to our Sequoia Tree episode. We already have a trail mix that is Joshua Tree centered in the Joshua Tree problem trail mix from season one. While we do relay some information on Joshua Trees in that episode, it mostly deals with the issues of the government shutdown in 2018-2019 and how that affected the national parks, specifically the issues that were arising in Joshua Tree National Park. That's right. From graffiti, gross, to overflowing waste, to destruction of Joshua Trees and other desert plant life. This episode, while... About a specific time in the history of the NPS is really an episode that tackles bigger issues of public land use and abuse. We definitely recommend that you listen to this episode as a companion to our two full-length episodes on Joshua Tree National Park. All that aside, we wanted to give some bigger context for Joshua Trees and the park for which they are named. Let's talk some specifics about Joshua Trees. For example, as Dusty had mentioned in a previous episode, Joshua trees are found in a small sliver of the world, mostly in the Mojave Desert, but also growing in other parts of Nevada, California, Utah, and Arizona. That's right, and they grow in the altitudes of 2,000 to 6,000 feet above sea level. This narrow band, which they grow within, makes them especially rare and all the more important to protect. Yeah, I, you know, it was funny because when we were in the park, like, there obviously are a preponderance of Joshua trees, you can see a number of them. But I feel like when we were leaving the park too, and driving from there to Napa, like along our way, we definitely also saw some Joshua oh, trees. Definitely, yes. And I also feel like I can't I think it may have been on a separate trip that we were also seeing them somewhere else, like somewhere else on our journeys in California, like going somewhere, but maybe I'm mistaken there. You mean like another like leg of the drive? Yeah. Oh, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I remember seeing trees that I was like, wait, is that a Joshua tree or is that just a weird looking palm tree? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there was that. Right. The thing that I just think is so fascinating about them is like, they just are the story of resilience. Yeah. They survive in such a specific environment. Yeah. And like, there's just no way to replicate that any other place. And so they can only grow here. I feel like as humans, we should be more in tune with the environments by which things thrive. Because I feel like we can learn so much about ourselves from that. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that it can take a Joshua tree hundreds and hundreds of years to grow to the size that it is, is fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. The history of Joshua trees is even more incredible as these plants date back for thousands of years, 
when the Mojave and parts of the West were incredibly different from what we know now. Joshua trees likely existed in pinyon pine and juniper forests surrounded by lakes and rivers in a much wetter period for the southwest that scientists call the pluvial period. About 12,000 years ago, as the continent's major glaciers receded and the jet stream moved further north, these forests changed. As much of the water dried up, Joshua trees were some of the tallest remaining fauna in the area. From these Joshua trees of the distant past, there are a lot of theories to how their seeds were dispersed and how their range got to be so large. The Joshua tree doesn't like to give up its seeds so easily. The fruit of the Joshua tree, which typically doesn't gestate unless there is a particularly wet, cool spring, does not fall easily from the tree. Some pieces of fruit will hang on for a year or more. When the fruit does fall, the fruit that surrounds the seeds will turn very quickly into an unappetizing, spongy, rough fiber that resists being opened. One of the biggest candidates for moving of seeds in the pluvial period was the Shasta giant ground sloth. However, that theory has been debated, and another animal has been addressed as the likely candidate as well, the antelope squirrel. So it's really interesting to like learn a little bit more about seed distribution here and how difficult, like doing the research, how difficult it is for these trees to actually survive and thrive because their seeds are so hard to get at and really depend on slim factors for things to actually work out in their favor. That makes me think a lot about sequoia trees and how their seeds are also, it's not like you can go buy sequoia seeds at right, the right. Home Depot. You know what right. I'm saying? Like you, those are so precious. I also want a specific sort of band too. Very specific of where band. they grow. Those things fall and it's like only some of them survive to actually becoming trees. Right. And remember like fire is a big part of their life cycle yes. and opening those cones where the seeds are to allow those seeds to germinate. Right. So again, like a very set, very specific set of characteristics, which is again, so incredible that these trees, which are thousands of thousands of years old have survived into our modern era for us to be able to see them welcome to jurassic park (laughs) joshua trees also need a rare set of circumstances to germinate in the first place warm desert soil temperatures mixed with wet conditions to help the seeds begin to cling to life this type of venture would happen best during the start of an el nino season most likely in september Once they root, it's a precarious future. Better if they can take root under another desert brush to help give protection. It is believed that Joshua trees can live anywhere from 150 to 500 years, reaching full height somewhere in the 50 to 60 year mark. They are slow growing plants, which only add about two to three inches of growth each year. They are keenly susceptible to fire damage And if they do not die right away from the effects of fire, they have a higher percentage of dying in the five-year period afterward. That, along with the shifts to the climate of the desert areas in which they inhabit, do not paint the rosiest of pictures for the species of trees. But despite all of this, there are many people out there who are concerned with the well-being of the Joshua trees and their protection. In 2015, the environmental group called Wild Earth Guardians petitioned the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to list the Joshua tree as threatened under the Endangered Species Act. While a considerable amount of time has passed from their initial petition, after the 2020 Dome Fire burned 43,273 acres of prime eastern Joshua tree woodland in the Sima Dome area of the Mojave National Preserve, the California Fish and Game Service has considered the petition to list the tree as threatened under the California Endangered Species Act. So I think this just goes into, you know, a lot of what we've talked about on our podcast and obviously a lot of what other people are talking about all the time, and and that's conservation. And that is, you know, if you look at the time this petition was like kind of in limbo, it was during our almost former president, presidential administration and i really do think like even just reading the news of late like in like last itch efforts it's like let's try to strip as many environmental protections as we can as possible but you know meanwhile during vice presidential debates say we're great on the environment and we are just like amazing so i do think you know there is a very clear pattern of well i don't care like, and actually, not only do I not care, I'm actively trying to, su- you know, supplicate 
people who have business ventures or who want land and things like that. So we're reducing areas of national parks and preserves. Or we're saying, you know what? You can pollute as much as you want. Or, you know, I just feel like the you know, history will not be kind to this administration when it comes to their environmental No, I don't think so. Um, Neither will karma. Right. right. But I do feel like there is the opportunity for things to change. Um, You know, it's a shame that the wildfires that ravaged the, the West this past year were you know, a catalyst for change here to, to move this petition along. Um, it really shouldn't have to be that way. And that, that does speak to kind of like the dire straits that the environment is in general. Like, let's wait until the last minute until things are literally burning down around us before we try to do something. It's not so inspiring. It has been argued that with all of these setbacks, that Joshua trees may not even exist within the borders of the park by the end of the century. Of course, there are multiple studies that are out there, including ones that agree there will be trees in the park, but more likely at higher altitudes. Any way you cut it, the species has had the cards stacked against it, but managed to survive for thousands of years. The trees provide a multitude of uses to indigenous peoples from weaving fibers to part of their diet. Some of the first Mormon settlers who saw the trees were reminded of the biblical figure Joshua, hence the name. These and other settlers used the trees as well for fencing and for fuel. The multitude of helpful relationships and trades the Joshua tree makes to survive and continue to propagate only underscores the importance of the interconnected web of biospheres. Joshua trees have been an important part of the biodiversity of the Southwest for thousands of years. Let's hope that that importance can continue into the future. And with that, let's take our first break. Time for a game. Yes, it is. And which game are we playing today? We are playing Pentagram. It is a game we have uh, not played. We haven't played this in, in so a long, really long, long time. I love this game. I love this game. And I have a really good one for you. Okay, I'm ready. All right. What five items would you put in the Pentagram to summon Mariah Carey to sing <gasps> All I Want for Christmas? Oh, <laughs> is you. Oh, my God. Right? Isn't great... that good? God, I love it. Okay, so first, a little vial of glitter. <laughs> Second, a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Third, a charm bracelet. Mm-hmm. Four, a little Santa hat. Mm-hmm. And five, the Labrador puppy. <laughs> a Labrador. Is there? Aren't there labs in that music video? Aren't there like little golden retrievers or labs? Know. I'm pretty I, sure there are. are. There? You pick your fifth, but that... I I'm... would say like a billboard chart, like a printed billboard chart. Because mm. like that song like goes back on the billboard charts. Every season. Every year. Yeah. Sometimes it goes to number one again. Yeah. What would you put in the pentagram to summon Whitney Houston to sing Do You Hear What I Hear? Wow, okay. We need to put in Dolly Parton's single of I Will Always Love You. I okay. feel like that's a, a definite thing because... Obviously, sure. the bodyguard. I feel like we also need to put in. Was the bodyguard her main like acting role? Did she do other? Did oh, she, have other... she did other things. I'm trying to think of her other things. Um, excuse me. She was oh, the fairy godmother. She was the fairy godmother. So maybe we put a little vial of brandy in <laughs> because she worked <laughs> for the brandy. <laughs> great. Oh, that's great. interesting. Right. Okay. I. She was also in Waiting to Exhale. She was okay. She was also in The Preacher's Wife. We need to put in a pair of like Jordarols because she wears those in the I Want to Dance with somebody video yes okay right is that what we're calling them jordorals sure sure great shorterals or jordorals were they were they jean were they denim i think they were denim okay am i mistaken about this yeah right i'm not well you know we got the internet even if you're revising history (laughs) jordorals it'll be great revisionist history right i do want to put in like a season of her um reality television show um was it from whitney to bob Bobby, what is the name of the show? Oh, this Lord. Is, I don't we're, even We're tapping deep history here. I don't You gave know. me this topic, and I needed you to help me. <laughs> I did. It was being Bobby Brown. Being Bobby Brown. Okay. And then the last thing I would put in is um, a copy of the Ten Commandments, because she sang Who Knows What Miracles with Mariah Carey. Oh, honey, you know I love that song. And there she goes. Here also, she is. Also, let's talk about how around year 304 into our friendship that you revealed <laughs> to me 
that you live and breathe for the Prince of Egypt. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, not only the Prince of Egypt, but also the movie, The Ten Commandments. Oh, gosh, The Ten Commandments. With Charlton Heston. Yeah, I mean, he's a problematic figure, but it's a great oh, film. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about who my favorite and I... Le- what are your favorite plagues, my- girl, go. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, hands down, the the most handsome cartoon character, Moses from the Prince of Egypt. Oh, Listen. I was more in the court Ooh. of Ramesses, oh, okay. brother. <laughs> All right. Well, and, and there we go. <laughs> there we go. And there we go. But, um, you know, there can be miracles mm-hmm. when you believe. When you believe. All right. So we had just wrapped up the 49 Palms hike. Yep. Which we talk about in episode 49. Uncannily enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uncannily enough, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. God, I do love that word, cannily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we had done that hike very early. And so leaving that uh, part of the uh, park, yeah, we definitely knew we had to go back and check out of our Airbnb because we were leaving that day. Right. But that's our just... Our one night stay. You know, like, we knew that Fu and Bill didn't want to wake up early. They were your friends that we were traveling this park with yes and they were like we're y'all go hike in the morning and then Mm -hmm. come back and we'll meet up with you later and so they um i think our checkout time was like 10 or 11 but that just tells you how early we got up to go do a hike and then come back to check out of the airbnb the jet lag made us wake up earlier right that's what i mean yeah we were like on a different time zone we hadn't fully time traveled yet in our bodies but yeah basically we were able to head back to the airbnb and kind of like Pack everything up and shower and throw everything in the car. We went downtown to grab like coffee and breakfast with Bill and Foo, which was just like quick. It wasn't anything. Yeah. I also got some gifts at a store right around there. Right. We did a little bit of like, it was like right across the street from the visitor center. Yes. Yes. Like we kind oh, of like. Now I remember the visitors. <laughs> it was yeah. there. Yes. It's like right off the main drag. The visitor center for Joshua Tree was like downtown. Yeah. I was like, okay, obviously we traveled there in 2017. Right. And I was like, I know we went to the visitor center, but it was so hard for me to like place it in your brain to just visualize it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm visualizing it. Yes. It's like literally right off of the main highway, which is turn off. We say main highway, we say downtown. Right. It's like an intersection that's got stuff on all four corners Mm -hmm. and that's really about it and that's kind of why you go there anyway yes so we ate breakfast and then from there we moved on to the visitor center so that we could get patches Mm -hmm. and then also there was an artisan store like across the street from the yeah, visitor center. Yeah, it was kind of like an outposty sort of yeah, like so I they went had crystals and there like to see. different sorts of clothes and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. yeah. I definitely bought it was like a bunch of gifts. Desert witchy vibes happening. There. Living for it. They loving had sage, it. they had it all. Right. Um crystals, the eyes as far as the eye could see. Right. But um the visitor center was really crowded. It it was a newer visitor center. It was small. Um remember this is Easter Sunday, so we weren't really sure what to expect. Um, but I do remember like walking into the visitor center and they had like an electronic signboard outside that had like recorded the temperature. Right. Because clearly in the dead of summer, I can't imagine the heat. Oh, that's there. no, I can't imagine at all. Um, especially now that the earth is dying. Um, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's unfortunate. <laughs> Welcome to my show where I just am sad about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so basically, um, we get a chance to, you know, do what we need to in the visitor center. I don't think you were particularly thrilled of, about the t-shirts, which is why we went across the street too. Um, <laughs> Things I don't remember, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, the truth is, is that I'm rarely impressed by t-shirts. Yeah. Enough about your t-shirt fetish. Well, but, you know, I got <laughs> you know. one. But after that, we drove basically into town and found a spot to park because Bill and Fu were like, listen, you know, it's going to be crowded in there. When we went the day prior, it was evening. So the park wasn't as crowded. It was like dusk time. We really just drove through a lot of the park. We did stop at Jumbo Rocks and walk around there for a bit. But we didn't really experience the park at like a peak time. So they're like, listen, it's going to be crowded. Let's find a spot for you to park in town. We'll drive again. So that's what we did. It was probably one of the smartest decisions that we made because... 
the park was jammed. It was really crowded yeah. that day. It was really crowded. You know, there are parking lots at like major parts of the park. But I also do feel like, and I could be wrong about this, but I, I know we did it when we went to Jumbo Rocks. I do feel like there is a culture of parking on the side of the road. Oh, yeah. Like that was happening more, all over the place. More so than a lot of other national parks. Yeah. I mean, um, it happens in various national parks. Right. Especially ones that, you know, that's sort of like the right unofficial overflow parking. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that was just the unofficial parking. Mm-hmm. So the first stop we made was to the Hidden Valley Trail. And the Hidden Valley Trail, it's it's not that deep into the park. It was a loop trail that would like allow you to see a bunch of stuff, but also sort of give you a taste of everything Joshua Tree has to offer. You get to see Joshua trees up close. You get to see giant boulders. You get to like up and down, you know, other desert gi- terrain. Other plant life too, yeah. And it was one of the only real trails. So we wanted to, other than 49 Palms, and we wanted to make sure that we at least, you know, made our way around to The parking lot was actually really kind of crowded. I don't remember there being too many people on the hike with us. It just seemed like this was a spot where people parked and did other things. So it was also very clear that, um, you know, this is a park where there's a lot of people that come to Boulder. Like bouldering was, there was a culture of bouldering like in this park. I do remember driving and even I think in the parking lot, people were like kind of like bouldering on some of the bigger rocks. Yeah, that there was there. bouldering a lot. Um, and, you know, to give you some context for what bouldering is, Bouldering is a rock climbing term, which means you're climbing usually not like very high distance. No. But you're climbing like a shorter distance without a top rope. Right. And like the point is, it's more sort of like a mental math game to see like, where do I have to put my hands and feet to get from here on the ground to up there to the top of that boulder? or rock right wherever i'm climbing um you'll see like uh people who do indoor climbing you know a lot of people do indoor climbing and come just to boulder right i mean and bouldering is great for building that strength for lead climbing or top rope climbing um, oh definitely because you really are forced to a make quick decisions a lot of the time and b utilize the strength that you have so you're not falling and also and, uh, bouldering yeah. is a thing that like you don't have to have another person right. to do you right. can boulder by yourself right so if you're us where we used to go like every sunday we would go rock climbing and we would do uh god that feels like a million years ago it does. And I miss it. I like, miss it too. Yeah. I miss it too. Yeah. Every single Sunday at like 11 a.m. we would go top rope climbing yep. at this gym in between the two of us. If you're lucky to have a buddy to go with, then that's great. Yeah. But some people don't and like still want to rock climb and bouldering is a great way to do that. Yep. When we actually get ready to get on the trail, like we, we pack up and um, and go. The trail itself is only about a mile long. It's a mile long loop. Yeah. So, I mean, you could do it twice or you don't have to do it twice. Right. And it's definitely not the longest of trails. In fact, most of the trails that we did in Joshua Tree were relatively on the shorter side. Even 49 Palms was pretty short. I mean, yeah, 49 Palms is a healthy hike. Yeah. I would say this is more of a elongated stroll. Yeah, it's kind of like an interpretive trail, an like interpretive a, a nature trail. interpretive great way trail. To put it. Yeah, and um, but again, gives you what a great trail for somebody who's like, I don't want to put myself through three miles of something. I want right. to put myself through one mile of something. That's what I got, and this is a great trail. For right, that. right. You know, I think part of this too, like part of our like hiking with Bill and Fu was just like we were just also experiencing the park with them and they were kind of our guides. So it was just like, yeah, we're just hanging out. And it was like kind of a nice like go between of like, we can take this like hike, hikey stroll and just like get to chat and like not have to focus in on like exerting ourselves like a crazy amount. You know what I love about Joshua tree in particular is I feel like some people who are less familiar with national parks, right? think like it's a place that people go to do like intense hiking which is not true that is not the truth some people go there to do intense to 
go to many different national parks for intense hiking. And then some people, I'm sure, have experienced national parks and think they are places that you drive through. Right. You get out of the car, you look at a thing, and then you get back in. But what I love especially about things like the Hidden Valley Trail is that for those who are a little bit more in the middle of like, I'm not an intense hiker, but Mm -hmm. I want something a little bit more than just getting out of my car and looking at Mm -hmm. something. I want to like walk through something there are things like the Hidden Valley Trail or like there are things like walking out to overlooks like at Mesa Verde or at Black Canyon of the Gunnison that give you that sort of like in-between area of like, I'm active and I want to be a part of it. I don't necessarily want to like commit to like a half a day journey. Yep, you're right. And I do think that is definitely something like when we talk about Karen Stone at the end and even accessibility when we get to the summit at the end of the season, that's something definite of note for this park. Certainly. For sure. And it's something that I feel like this park actually offers quite a bit of. Yeah. Yeah. The trail, like we said, is a loop, but it's, as I've, as we've described before, kind of like a balloon. So like there's a string of the balloon that leads from the parking lot to the loop and you can kind of like go around either way. I'm pretty sure we went to the left when we did this. The trail is not like that much of an elevation loss or gain. Um, there is some. You do kind of like, you start high and then you kind of dip on the trail and then you're pretty flat for most of it. It is like Dusty described. It's kind of like you get to see plant life. You get to see giant boulders, you know. You are hiking through desert? Yep. So it is certainly immersive. Yes. And that is the important thing. Yeah. Is that there are ways to immerse yourself. I think it's probably one of the hikes that are done more frequently than the others too because it is such like a dichotomy of the experiences of Joshua Tree kind of wrapped into one. Yes. Like I think you get to see like all of these things. And again, even though it was crowded in the park, the trail was relatively quiet. Like we basically, the four of us just had it to ourselves. And I feel like we just were able to kind of like really nicely meander and just chat and like enjoy the scenery, but also enjoy each other's company, which was right. Really, really nice. And kind of the point of our time in the park was to enjoy that company of other people who we had never really, of course, we'd hiked with other people, but not people we knew. Like, I mean, or at least one of us knew. So it was really nice to have that. It made the experience definitely more um, special and more um, of a unique experience for us as far as our park trips have gone. And I was so glad that we had Bill and Fu there with us because... They certainly knew more of the history of that park mm-hmm. and more of like the um, the things that really make that space so special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having that context, I think, is the thing that made me really like embrace the energy of what was around us mm-hmm. at Joshua Tree and all of its like beautiful strangeness because it was totally an experience I had never had before. All right, so we're trying a new thing. Yep. Thades and gentle thems. Please welcome to the wait, stage. Wait, wait, wait. It's not gentle thems. It should just be gentle, gentle thems. thems. Gentle them. Right? Well, shouldn't we pluralize it? Because thades is pluralized. Oh, I see. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen. Thades oh. and gentle them. Oh, okay. Got it, got yeah. it, got it. I like this argument we're having right now. Oh, I do too. That's good. Ready? Ready. Thades and gentle them. Please welcome to the stage, Rosemary Fakasha. All right. So we got to thank my mom, Gloria, for giving us this one mm-hmm. because my mom is the greatest cook in the world. Found this recipe for Rosemary Fakasha bread mm-hmm. that she was like, oh my God, I love this. Here are my tweaks to it. And she sent it to me and she had sent it to me while we were together. I was like, oh yeah, it's this, it's this recipe for Rosemary Fakasha. And you were like, Oh my God, Rosemary Fakasha. <laughs> She's on the list now. She's got a sister too. Olive Fakasha. Olive Fakasha, mm-hmm. I know. The, the House Fak- of Fakasha. <laughs> it's a great house. <laughs> right, so right. who is Rosemary Fakasha? Oh, who is Rosemary Fakasha? I feel like Rosemary Fakasha is... She has like Italian grandmother vibe. Like I feel like that's her shtick. It's She's like, intensity. She is right. like wearing a like 
floral or a gingham house coat. She's got like a house coat with like an apron deal going on. Like I feel like that is her. She's like going for the old lady drag vibe. Interesting. I see her with dark hair, like an older woman who's dyed her hair. Okay. Well, my grandma had really dark hair and she didn't need to dye it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So some people... And like fire engine red lipstick. Yep. And she's just, she's loud. She is larger than life. Absolutely. She's always talking about her her gravy. Her gravy. (laughs) She probably lip syncs to Mambo Italiano. (laughs) If we're leaning in. If we're leaning in. We haven't had an Italian queen I mean, I guess not. We've had food queens before, definitely. I mean, this is like... She's not a food queen. She's an Italian grandmother queen. She's an Italian grandmother queen. She definitely, like, prays a rosary every night. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. I believe she might also do part of her act to, like, a prayer. Like, into... Oh, like a prayer Mm -hmm. by Madonna. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. I think her merchandise is gelato. Oh, okay. Like, she has little... Signature gelatos. Signature gelatos. Okay. I do feel like she also has like a wooden spoon that she will come and like hit members of the audience with. Love. Maybe she has olive oil as her like, maybe that too is her merch. Rosemary Fakasha olive oil. (laughs) Olive oil could also be her her side act too. She could on, certainly. With olive Fakasha and olive oil. Yeah. Okay. I like this. We've got a lot of ideas here. We do. So she sings to Mambo Italiano, maybe like a prayer as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other, like, you know. I feel like she is more of, like, her act is more like a, like a, it's got story to it. Mm-hmm. Like, she's got a daughter who's getting married, mm-hmm. and she has to, like, cater the wedding or something. Okay. And so, like, all these other queens come in and play all the other characters. Mm-hmm. And, like, all of these different uh, songs get her finally to the wedding. Got it. So it's, like, the pageantry of glow. It kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But no wrestling. Right. Drag instead. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Great. I love it. It's beautiful. So. What a beautiful portrait we've painted. Exactly. So. Thades and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Rosemary Fakasha. So, after driving through the park the night before, one thing that Fu and Bill really wanted to show us was the Chola Cactus Garden, which was a little further down in the park than we had traveled. This is something we didn't do the night before because I'm pretty sure they really wanted us to see Jumbo Rocks, knowing that on Sunday it was probably going to be very crowded to try to do. Um, And that is certainly an immersive experience, Jumbo Rocks. Yeah. And I am glad we got to do that without a lot of people around. Yeah, it was just us, which was really, really nice. Um, so they were like, listen, this is kind of like the thing that we should do. Like, you should definitely see this. After that, we kind of have to dip out because they had to drive all the way back to L.A. Um, right. Because it was Sunday. You know, and they we were work the next day. Right. We were the ones on like a spring break. They they were, you know, working folk that still had nine to fives. Right. Yeah. That being said, we drove down from Hidden Valley Trail all the way down to Chola Cactus Garden. <laughs> it was pretty crowded. Again, the park was busy. It was Easter Sunday. I think people were just out, you know, people were on vacation. People that had kids in school were on vacation um, or had taken off. So I think it was just kind of like one of those days. The Chola Cactus Garden is almost exactly how it sounds. Mm -hmm. It is a cactus garden that has pathways built inside of it Mm -hmm. that you can walk through. I mean, they just like stretch forever and ever. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, let's get on our feet and walk through them. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I was very nervous walking through these pathways. Now, there are there were fences, right? There were fences in um, some parts, but in not in parts, other not, parts. Not all parts. There was a fence like from the parking lot to the garden and there were some like basic fencing, like but right. nothing crazy. No, like, and it wasn't on every pathway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. No. But I remember walking through going like don't trip yeah just don't trip girl right it definitely was like a little like oh well hello like these were incredibly spiny cactus they're known as teddy bear cactus because they do yeah sort of have like the look of a teddy bear from afar they do they do they do um they look cute from afar they do but don't touch (laughs) oh lord no 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 but their needles are like huge yes and intense i'm pretty sure that 
I'm pretty sure it was Bill that told us that like birds will like snap the needles off and then use them as tools, like to kind of dig at things. I love that. I'm pretty sure I I could be wrong. Um, I mean the the cactuses were everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere. I mean to the point where I was like I want it like I have to move out of the way so that people can get by Mm -hmm. because I don't want to try to have to like traverse two lanes of traffic here right through them i mean they're not it's not super narrow right but, but it's when not it's also like super wide either five feet like of space yeah you know is all yeah. you got like yeah. i'm six foot something and so it's like i trip and fall i'm hitting something somewhere yeah I mean, honestly, the Chola Cactus Garden is what everybody should have to walk through to understand what social distancing should be oh, like. Oh, I'm sure. Right? That would be a great thing to do. Yeah. Be like, oh, too much? Nope. Yep. In the Chola Cactus Garden, you could really see a lot of different generations of cactus, some that were dying, some that had just died, with some sort of like porous, like woody inside. Mm-hmm. Which I had never thought that that would be like the inside of a cactus. No. It was no. very strange was to like kind of see like... The, I guess the flesh of the cactus kind of peeled away and seeing these like almost what look like, um, I guess what I would equate it to is like what coral looks like, like sure. dead coral. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which was just like, oh, okay. That's what the inside of a cactus is like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to Joshua Tree, like don't miss this. It's such a great spot. And, and it's a short. Like, and it's short. Yeah. And it's just like the Hidden Valley Trail in that you can get out, immerse yourself in it, mm-hmm. and not commit to a five-hour stint. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. No, like, it's I've very different from... I've never been through a cactus garden like this. Yeah, and it's super different from any sort of feature in a national park that we'd seen before. Oh, yeah. It's one of the most unique, I would say, that we've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. Experienced. You know, I do have to say, you know, as you were just saying, like getting out of the car and like immersing yourself... I have to say, and this is something I mentioned a little earlier, that I think the hikes that we did in Joshua Tree, even 49 Palms. At least most of it. For the most of for the most part, like you could take your kids. Oh, certainly. At least Hidden Valley and at least the Chola Cactus Garden are like very accessible things to be able to do. Because they're for the most part pretty flat. Definitely Chola Cactus Garden. That's something that you could walk around very easily because it's very flat. And I do feel like you were saying before, these aren't hikes that are, you have to be like someone that's used to strenuous hiking. Like you can be, sure. a, you know, a, just a first time hiker and be like, oh, okay, cool. I can just yeah, go out and do course, this. Of course. And not feel the strain. There's some pitch to 49 Palms. Yep. Hidden Valley and the Chola Cactus Garden and even Jumbo Rocks for a large portion yeah. of it are definitely mostly flat. Yeah. From here, we got back in the car with Foon Bill. We headed out of the park because it was time to part ways. They brought us back to our car. We said goodbye. And then we like just quickly got something to eat. And we said, okay, now we have to head to a totally different part of California. Right. So we said goodbye to Joshua Tree. And hello to Napa. And hello to Napa. Right? It was Napa, right? I know you keep calling it Napa <laughs> and I don't know. Wait, was it Napa? It was Northern California. I don't know if it's Napa. What Valley. was at the end of, no, it wasn't Napa. Did I say Napa just here in the you episode? You said Napa right? earlier. Did I? You did. Farts. What did you mean? Where did we stay? Where Sweet Cherries was. Sweet Tomatoes. Sweet I mean, it was Fresno. Fresno. That's what I meant. It's time for the Karen Stone scale. It is. So let's put Hidden Valley on the Karen Stone scale. A two. Why is that? Um, Because I really didn't think there was a lot of strenuous activity that needed to be done in order to complete the hike. And it was relatively short. I also am going to say a two. Great. So a wait, two. A two say will two. say a two, Brute? Sure. Right. So that's so, a four out of 20, yep. Karen Stones. Mm-hmm. And what about the Chola Cactus Garden? I won. <laughs> I would say, I'm going to say a two only because of the risk you have at falling directly into a cactus. Mm-hmm. Face planting into spikes. 
It's not great. It's not great. Not great. Not something I want to happen Mm -mm. to me or anyone else for that matter. No. And now let's end this episode with some Jeopardy style trivia. Beautiful. Would you like to start, Mike? Or do you want me to start? I can go ahead and get started. Go ahead. So my Jeopardy title is called Hidden Valley Branch. (laughs) And so this is all about different types of trees, considering we were in Joshua Tree National Park. And it's a little bit of a play on words there. So I'm going to give a descriptor and you're going to need to name the type of tree. Okay. Okay. All right. So for 100, this sad sack of a tree with long hanging branches signifies imagination, vision, and intuition. What is weeping willow? That's correct. For 200, the branches of this tree are synonymous with the holiday season, sharing billing with ivy in a yuletide song. The tree is also symbolic of action, assertion, and objectivity. What is holly? That's correct. The holly and the ivy. I don't know the rest of it. Great. Um, For 300, the branches of this tree bear a medicinal herbal fruit, which can be brewed into a purple syrup and act as an immune booster. Booster. (laughs) An immune booster. (laughs) That's what I want. I want a tiny little immune booster. (laughs) All right. Sorry, I have to start it again. No, keep going. The tree is also symbolic of transition, evolution, and continuation. I mean, my instinct is acai, Mm-mm. but is that wrong? It's wrong. What is, I'm going to take another guess. Uh, what is schnozberries? No. What is that? What is an elder tree? What are elderberries? Oh, elderberries. Mm-hmm. Got it. For 400, the bark from the branches of this tree could be boiled for a long time to release its essential oils, turning it into a sarsaparilla-like treat. The tree is also symbolic of beginning, renewal, and youth. Girl, you got me. I don't know. Well, what's sarsaparilla? What would you think? I don't know. You don't know what sarsaparilla I, is? No. This oh. is unfamiliar to me. Is that a candy? Is that like, what is that? Is sarsaparilla that a- is like a root beer. What is birch? Yes. What is birch? Oh, what is birch okay. beer? Great. All right. And for 400 or for 500, this tree and its branches share the name of a Southwestern New Jersey university and symbolize protection, expression, and connection. What is Ramapo? Incorrect. What is Rowan? That's correct. Oh, there you go. Look at that. I got it. It was one of those R <laughs> it was colleges. One of those R colleges. Exactly. Beautiful. Okay. And clearly you don't know what Sarsaparilla is. I don't. I don't. And you know what? Okay. I'm not going to be shamed for not knowing that. (laughs) Got it? I knew that was the phrase coming out of your mouth. I am going to be. I'm happy to learn about that today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is (laughs) just that. And you're not going to. We're not going to play that game. Mm -hmm. All right. It's time for my category. Are you ready, Michael? I am. Young Dusty. Great. This category is called Name That Joshua Before and After. Great. So in this, you'll be naming a famous person named Joshua mm-hmm. plus something else. Great. Because it is a before and after. Great. All right. Are you ready for 100? I am. This star of Dawson's Creek and the recent little fires everywhere with this famous abstract expressionistic painter. Who is Joshua Jackson Pollock? Correct. For 200. Also, this is, I should call this, Name that Joshua almost before, during, and after. Because they're not all going to be like perfect Perfect. before and after. Ready for 200. Mm -hmm. This actor of No Country for Old Men and the Avengers franchise fame, along with this debut single from Adele's 21 album. (laughs) (laughs) What is Joshua Brolin in the deep? That's right. (laughs) Good job. Beautiful. Great. For 300, Mm -hmm. this star of 40 days and 40 nights and Pearl Harbor and the term for the amount of money you actually bring home. What is Joshua Hart net income? Correct. Mm -hmm. You're so good at this. You're nailing Mm -hmm. this category. It's all my handsome Joshua. I know. For 400, Mm -hmm. this singer turned Broadway star turned low-key comedian on Twitter and a phrase you might say about something you have done before. Who is Joshua been there, done that? <laughs> That's right, but it's Josh Groban there. Oh, that. okay. Is that what you were thinking? No, I didn't know that Joshua Groban was a Broadway star. 
Yes, honey. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, some of us didn't he, know what sarsaparilla he, was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. Josh Groban starred in Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812 hmm. on Broadway. Hmm. That show floated around like off Broadway or off, off, and then off, and then it went to Boston, and then it came to Broadway. Hmm. But yeah, he was in it on Broadway. Great. And Look obviously, he is hilarious on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but Josh Groban is could be a comedy writer. Oh, great. And for 500. Beautiful. This star of Broadway's Book of Mormon and voice of Olaf the Snowman, along with an expression of surprise or a store in the mall in the 90s that was later acquired by Forever 21. Who is Josh Gadzooks? That's right. <laughs> Beautiful. I mentioned that store to you the other day and you were like, I've never heard of that. I hadn't. Effing store. Nope. Just now like you'd you never heard of Wet Seal. Or Sarsaparilla, <laughs> yep. apparently. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram account at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at Gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about Joshua Tree National Park and all the other parks we talk about on this show, visit our website, gaze at the national parks.com. That's gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website is by Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Squios. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. Our sources for this episode include the MojaveProject.org and nps.gov. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we were on the traditional and stolen land of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey. Mm-hmm.